Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. Why did we start talking about niche apps versus super apps? I think I got really excited about this topic specifically because, you know, how many of us are holding super phones today? I think most of us are actually holding super phones because iPhone, when they started, so Apple, when they started, they only started like developing software and hardware. But then they started actually developing the iPhone, which we all carry, and it has a lot of applications that helps us on our day-to-day -day transactions. So today we'll be talking about niche apps versus super apps. And the term super apps actually started after WeChat was born. So we're going to start with a little bit of an introduction basically, from um, the super apps, you know, the people who are representing super apps, and as well, what is their definition of super apps? So we're going to start with Amr and sure. Madiha. Please go ahead. Sure. So for us, basically, the super apps is, uh, or our definition of it is, we're offering adjacent or complementing services for the same client within a closed community. So we're a bit different from Kareem and what they're doing on the larger scale. So we offer that within a closed community. So uh, when we started out, actually, we didn't have the, the super app concept. It was a few services that we're targeting within closed communities. And then quickly, we came building more services, more adjacent services. Not all of them are built by us, like what Karim and do, are doing and WeChat, as you mentioned. Many of them are, are third-party integrations. But at the end of the day, the super app definition for us is the customer comes to us. We handle everything else. So within the closed community, we try as much as possible to be the one-stop shop, if you will, for, uh, for, for all the services within the gated community. Yes. That's the definition for us. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Is this on? I don't think so. Is this on now? Yes. Yeah. Um, so for Kareem, our super app strategy is uh, super tied to our purpose. Our purpose is to simplify life in the region. That's the mission statement of Kareem. Um, and related to that, our super app strategy is basically to meet all your everyday needs in one app. Uh, so it's a wide range of services. We started with ride hailing. We now have uh, about a dozen services in the UAE. And as you mentioned, the idea of a super app is also that not that you build everything yourself, but that you become a platform uh, to provide distribution to others as well. And not just distribution. We provide some core sort of enabling factors like logistics, identity, uh, and also increasingly payments. And, and that sort of green pay is what I help lead, and that becomes a real glue for a super app when you're enabling payments for both your own services and also third-party services. But really taking a step back, the purpose of the Kareem super app is to simplify everyday use cases across all your daily needs. Yes, amazing. So let's now move to niche apps. So we're going to start on the other side. Actually, let's start with the first side here. Mahmoud, we have as well from WeGo. So WeGo, um, so Mahmoud, tell us a little bit about you know who you are and what WeGo stands for. So WeGo basically is we like to create a one-stop shop as well for anything to do with travel. Uh, started 2005 in, in Singapore, yes. um, providing a search uh, service for consumers basically to shop the marketplace for flights and hotels. Um, we partner with airlines, we partner with hotel chains, we partner with online travel agencies around the globe, and we, we give users the ability to shop and compare and tailor-make basically their, 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 you know, their search results to their travel needs and 
you know, head to the booking uh, 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 partner website where basically they can, they can uh, you know, do the, complete the purchase. This is how we started. Um, came to the region around 2013, where the, the first um, travel business, online travel business, to offer Arabic and local currencies and all that to the, to the consumers here. Met lots of success. Became our core market at the time, from Saudi to Kuwait to, to UAE to the rest of GCC, basically, on top of India and Southeast Asia market, where mm. it all started, basically. So that, that started us in a, in a quick nutshell. Um, we've seen all the super apps. Since we started in Singapore, we're basically the home of it. We're in China and Singapore and the Southeast Asia, basically. Um, but but for us, we want to be we want to be the marketplace that can can give customers anything to do with travel, pre pre trip, and in trip and post trip, basically. Amazing. So I'm going to move to Wilhelm and uh, Hamid. So Wilhelm, tell us about uh, Aqar. Tell us, uh, yeah, what is your definition of niche apps? Yeah, uh, so eCar is a is a niche app, um, slowly getting into uh, a quasi sort of super app potential uh, positioning. But um, eCar was launched in 2016 to provide cars to cabin crew at Emirates Airlines, hence yeah. the the K and the EK for the call sign for Emirates Airlines, giving uh, self drive mobility solutions to cabin crew. That was the idea, mm. and sort of fast forward now seven eight years. Um, you know, we, we have booked over 2 million trips between UAE and Saudi Arabia. We're a growth stage business. And, and now within our app, we have other modules of self-drive, including subscription, leasing, and peer-to-peer -peer rentals in Saudi Arabia. So we're still niche in the self-drive world in that definition. Um, but, you know, we're very much open for conversations uh, looking at uh, super app opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, Hamad, what about you? Yes. Um, my expertise uh, lies on uh, building uh, niche marketplaces. Um, I've started building in, uh, a wellness marketplace, and nowadays uh, we are building um, an e-commerce mar marketplace um, uh, that is offering lifestyle, uh, fashion, and etc. Um, the experience lies on uh, providing a tailored user experience based on the user um, um, uh, interest and wants and uh, whatever they want to s select. So the selection will be specified to whatever they like. Um, actually, I believe uh, niche apps and super apps isn't a black and white thing. Mm -hmm. um, it is actually a spectrum. So your app might be leaning more toward uh, a super app or me leaning more toward a niche app. And as you grow as an app or as a startup, you will offer more services that might be within your industry or you might expand to other industries or sometimes even verticals. So it depends on the needs of the clients and the exactly. Exactly. look into that aspect. Yeah. So you told me about a story about successful niche apps. Would you like to share with us? Yeah. Um, actually, what we are building now um, at Zed, which is um, a leader um, in e-commerce in Saudi Arabia, uh, we are building uh, Mazid, which is a mar the marketplace that I'm talking about. Um, what we've uh, learned from from the excitement of our users is that um, um, trying to provide whatever uh, the the customer wants, whatever the uh, the user wants, in a very fun and jo joyful user experience. 
uh, will end up um, having a great impression from the users. Uh, for the past months since we launched, we have 50,000 users month over month, uh, which is a great success. Um, also, uh, there are many experiences actually in Saudi Arabia with other startups who are building niche apps that are uh, grown to be people's favorite. Um, an example is um, The Chefs, uh, which is a food delivery app that is uh, specialized in um, gourmet food and sweet. Um, and also they got acquired by one of uh, Saudi food delivery giants, Jahiz, um, with a valuation of uh, over 179 million US dollars, mm -hmm. uh, which is yeah. a great success for a company that have been there for only five years. Um, so I think um, um, this gives you a context of, uh, of the power of uh, um, providing whatever the customer and user wants. Mm -hmm. From Nisha. So, so um, I want to dive into the next thing. So you you actually mentioned, like you touched upon that, you know, there are a lot of like apps that started by providing one service and then they started to grow. And uh, you, you said that also, Amri, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't planning to build, you know, like a super app, but it was just like what, what really clients wanted. So we, we have seen very successful examples in China and South Asia of Grab and um, WeChat. And WeChat is more like in China, and, and then Rab is, you know, operating in over 380 cities. How do we see right now the success of uh, building super apps and making it, you know, more adopted by the region here? And, and what really determines the success of these apps to develop or to transform into super apps? Sure. Let me divide the answer into two parts. So the first part is, uh, I'm yet to see a super app that starts from day one saying I'm a super app yeah. succeed. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still looking at that. So like, even with Karim, the way, the way they started, or WeChat, where they started, started in a very different uh, yeah. path. And then it just becomes a matter of vertical growth. Like, and I very much echo what Hamad is saying, that um, it's not a black and white thing. Like, mm -hmm. You look at uh, B2B marketplaces in Egypt, and almost immediately they transfer into payment services and they start, and then they go into lending services for the for the B2Bs. So then they transform slowly with the, or organically, if if you will, into the super app cat, uh, category, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, just a small anecdote: when when we first started, it was uh, the nice people at Amor came to us in 2016. We were building websites back then, and they knocked on our doors and they they said we want to build an app to manage our uh, communities. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We had three features. Access control and uh, uh, home service ordering and communication, very basic. And then the, the, the logical next step was, okay, the people need to pay for these services. So let's, do we build a payment company? No, let's go and integrate with the payment gateway. Then BNPL started happening. So the BNPL player, people started calling us. So do we build BNPL? No, let's integrate with these guys. And this kept happening until we covered, first we covered the very last part of the real estate life cycle when people come and live. So with these parties, we were able to go to the real estate developer and now offer them all the way, you know, the entire real estate life cycle, mm -hmm. from exploring to, 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 uh, to uh, like payment plan management to actually moving in and transacting. So now people call us a super app. But at the very beginning, all we wanted to do was to basically digitize the interaction between a closed community and its management. Mm -hmm. So I very much echo what Hamid is saying is you start where you're good at, and then yes. the opportunities will appear 
that for you to cover the, the or let's say, vertical, the entire vertical uh, uh, cycle of the customer. A question I have for, you know, for Medija as well, and, uh, no, is it easier to integrate, you know, third parties or other apps into, you know, what, what they have built already to integrate it into your system or building it in-house? And what kind of, like, sets that decision? Yeah, it's a really good question because we've obviously, in, in Dubai, for those of you who live here and use Kareem here, we have certain verticals that we have grown ourselves or built ourselves, which is bride hailing, food delivery, grocery mm -hmm. delivery, payments, fintech. Um, and then we have some services, especially when it comes to home services um, or buying tickets. We have a ticket buying service now. We have home cleaning, laundry, home salon, et cetera. And we found that there are certain products where there are other apps out there where those apps and those companies understand what the user wants from that service. Mm -hmm. uh, they've already built the operations around that service. Uh, and they've built uh, sort of a product that delivers what that customer provides, what that customer yeah. wants. So there's no need for us to recreate it. What we bring to the table is the distribution, but also, like I said, some of the infrastructure pieces, right? And this is something that we found, uh, one of the reasons we expanded from ride hailing into other services is because as we built ride hailing, we had to build a lot of the fundamental building blocks ourselves. Mm -hmm. The logistics tech, uh, the payments tech, the ability to accept cash, user identity, uh, fraud and risk management capabilities. All of that stuff we had to build to support ride hailing across 100 cities and 13 countries. And we realized there are a number of other use cases that those same building blocks can support, whether our own products or other products. So that was sort of our rationale for the services we expanded into. When it comes to third-party apps, I think, the, like I said, the advantage is they know their customer, they know the need, and they have the operations around it. What's challenging is ensuring that for the customer, it doesn't feel like they're using six different apps on Kareem, right? Yeah. So the user interface needs to be consistent. The quality of service needs to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And then operationally as well, you've got to connect the dots. So if a user is placing a laundry cleaning or a home service order on Kareem, uh, on a on a third party app on Kareem, and customer service is provided by that app, not by Kareem customer service. That is a clear disconnect for the user, right? So one thing we do is customer service on those businesses and services is provided by Kareem, yeah. even though the provider of the product is a third party. Um, and of course, now what we've started doing is also working on the design of these apps that we onboard, such that the mm -hmm. the, the interface feels consistent. So you also like support them on their apps, like on their existing, not on their standalone apps, but, but on your own. Yeah. But on the version that shows up on Kareem, we try to make the design consistent. We make the customer service consistent um, and definitely the quality that. of the service has to be has to be on par but they continue building they continue sort of driving the product yeah. build on their side but we collaborate on their roadmap mm -hmm. um, at least for the version that shows up on Korea. Mm -hmm. yeah uh, so I'm gonna direct the question to here so what what do you think determines you know a decision or what are the strategies that would identify that, hey, you know, um, I'm a standalone company and I want to become part of a super app? I could take that one. So um, it's not uncommon for car share companies around the world to, to integrate into super apps. I mean, we see this quite a bit. Typically, super apps like Kareem have started as ride-hailing companies yeah. and then broadened out. Like uh, Uber is a good example as well. So... Car share were kind of like a cousin of, of ride hailing to some degree. So that makes quite a bit of sense to us. The concern I think that we would have is that, you know, we have 400,000 members, registered members that are e-car users that, that understand that we 
bleed blue, and we, you know, we love our customer base. Um, I think the challenge would be if we become beholden to a super app, as though we lose our own identity within it. Um, and that's, mm. that's, I think, what would be one of the concerns. That said, um, there's so many examples of car share operations around mm. the world that are embedded in it, and it makes a lot of sense, whereby it can constitute maybe less than 20% of the new user base, mm. uh, in, in which that then becomes a symbiotic relationship between the super app and, and, the, and the niche app. Uh, in regards, especially because then we don't have to necessarily focus on, on marketing or cost of customer acquisition for those customers, right? Mm -hmm. So sure, we're, we're ready to pay a premium of whatever percent point to the super app because we can, we can cut our uh, cost of customer acquisition for that. But at the point where that super app gets over 20, 30, 40% of our customer base, then we're entirely beholden to the super app. Mm -hmm. And that's a scary territory. Uh, God forbid something goes awry with the partnership, uh, and then you're in trouble. So yeah. What makes the like what makes the conversation easier between super apps and niche apps to make those decisions? It I would, don't know. Anyone wants to take that question? Uh, if, if you allow me, let me to add to uh, Willem's point. Um, actually, it's not a decision of uh, following a trend and trying to be a super app just for the sake. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like. One of the things that we learned in, uh, at Z from the millions of users that uh, use our services is that you always need to, uh, to listen to your customer um, uh, because those are your main asset. Those are the, the people that uh, trusted you at the first place and use your services. Mm -hmm. So you always should listen to them, understand their pain points, mm -hmm. understand their needs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always, you know, my, my background at product management made yeah. me always user-centric. Yes. So you need to know whatever they need and provide it, whether it is uh, from the same domain you are in or other domains. But always um, listening to the customer uh, will help you grow. Um, and we've seen it in, in many, many uh, products we launched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so how do we basically, um, I think the next question, which is like, um, in terms of like convenience, you know, the, the users are, you know, using this app, you know, there is a vision specifically, for example, under frame that, you know, you want to simplify people's lives. And, but what if, for example, you know, the clients are no longer interested in a service that you have provided? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think that's also a question for you and uh, Mamunia. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that uh, a super app does need to uh, be good at is to be relevant to users, right? To your point. I mean, if you're not relevant to users, exactly. you might as well. Yeah. Uh, sooner or later, the impact to your business will speak loud and clear, right? Yeah. And not every business is going to be equally successful for a couple of reasons. One is for a niche app to transform or evolve into a super app, the positioning of that app in users' minds also need to evolve. Uh, even though we might have a dozen services in the UAE, there are many customers who continue to view us as a ride-hailing app. That shift in perception takes a long time. Mm. Um, and it takes investment in marketing, in branding, in rebranding, in sort of positioning. Um, so that is a longer term well, process. Right? The trust, yeah. And trust. It, the, actually, that's an asset for a super app and a good starting point for a super app because if you already have a user base that trusts you, uh, through ride hailing, we had a user base that trusted us with their payment methods, with their identity, with their contact information. That actually makes them 
more eager or more willing to try new services on that same app because yes. they're not trusting their information, their data, their payment methods to a new app and a new merchant. So that actually plays to the strength of a super app or is an advantage for uh, for a large app pivoting into a super app. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I think when a service is not relevant, the numbers speak loud and clear. Mm -hmm. And I think the approach we are now taking is uh, you just have sort of periodic checkpoints that you agree both for internal services mm -hmm. and for external partners that every service needs to meet a certain bar of quality for us that's very important so we've now started setting thresholds around customer satisfaction uh, customer retention customer conversion if those stats are not meeting certain thresholds whether it's a kareem owned service or yeah. a third party service uh, it will have to cede space to a different service on the super app mm -hmm. but what do you think about this well, I, I totally agree, but um, see, the, the super app, by definition, if, if we go back a little bit yeah. with, the, with the conversation, you know, when you look at it in, in, in Asia, if you look at it in China, for example, the WeChat is not only about, you know, multiple services application mm. or multiple services mm. uh, platform for users and consumers yeah. to use. It's actually an enabler for, for, for a B2B side of things exactly, as well. Yeah. WeChat today is, uh, is a payment solution, you know, that dif differentiate itself from any other payment solution around that part of the world. It's a QR code basis. You can give it to restaurants, you can give it to outlets, you can empower companies outside of, of China itself or outside of, of Asia. And there are many of those in Russia. There are many of those who basically build a total business case and, and, uh, and applications and consumer-facing products based on the technology that they adopt or they took or they license from, from the WeChat of the world or the the, the Alipay kind of uh, of that. Grab is getting into this as well. I don't think we have that here in the region yet. I'm sure it's going to come. I'm sure, you know, the pioneers like Karim or Noon or anybody who's getting in Al-Talabat, anybody who's getting into the super app kind of thing. Now, for e-commerce in general and anything to do with consumers normally, people, people tend to, you know, or entrepreneurs and, and founders and you know whomever is running those business tend to find multiple source of revenue basically and mm -hmm. multiple reasons for uh, user uh, acquisitions basically and retentions of, of those users and then they start adding services um, would that always be the right thing you never know mm -hmm. right uh, you need lots of research you need but the the, the, the key thing that everybody, I think, learned over the past 10 years around the globe from, from doing this is basically depending on partnership rather than building it in-house at the beginning, at least, and just mm -hmm. to, you know, some white-label solutions, give it a look, at, look and feel of your product, but give the experts the, the right to, to provide the service, take a friction of it, mm -hmm. and then see if you can provide it by yourself, if you can do any, any, any extra thing. I think that's what we see um, in most of the cases today in this part of the world, aiming to have like a full-fledged service where it enables the both side on the tech on the tech side of things yeah. so in terms of like uh one stop shop about we go what is what is the direction right now like what are you building in terms of like loyalty rewards can you tell us about it so um, very good question actually we we, we as, as a meta search as a search engine we always had a problem within the travel space to build a loyalty program um users don't transact with us necessarily friction of them they do but Majority go and transact with one of our partners, being an airline or an online travel agency or a hotel brand. And then, you know, it's always a question for us that how we create a loyalty and reward those uh, those customers. Yeah. The, um, the solution came throughout COVID, where basically travel was paused completely. And, you know, we started thinking a little bit out of, out, out of the box. 
And we created a product called ShopCash, where basically it's a cashback model. Uh, we've seen it in Asia as well. Uh, we've seen it in many other countries, in Rakuten by, by, by the Japanese, which has a like huge success in the US and, and, uh, and Europe. And basically we built, uh, we built a kind of, um, kind of a reverse affiliate mechanics. We're basically, you know, we partner with, with Noon, with Amazon, with any e-commerce player around, around, the, around the region. And we allow consumers to go and buy their products, the usual routine. We make commission, obviously. And we share part of that commission into, into a wallet format, basically, where consumers keep that, that money. It's kind of a rewarding gamification sort of a platform for the daily uh, usage of your e-commerce uh, yeah. uh, routine. And then we allow those consumers to use that cash pack they collected to, to on so we go like when they want to buy app? their next trip. Is it still on we go or like so it's, 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 it lives alone on an application also you can access it directly from we go okay. as, as your loyalty program technically. So we're seeing a ni very nice traction within that. Again, we're not calling it as a, a super way app. towards a super app. Uh, yeah. it's, it's literally around uh, retention and creating reasons for users mm -hmm. to come back and you know, uh, make some rewards out of their purchases and then use it mm -hmm. on our platform when they need to. So I think the main problem that we're trying to solve here is how can, you know, who is the app who's going to get the most engagement of the customers, right? Like this is what we're continuously thinking about. Like how can we keep the customers? And I, um, I want to say like, uh, you know, how, how do you guys, like, are you tackling this? You know, I, I want to speak maybe like we can have a, we can start with a niche app, like, what do you think um, from a product manager perspective as well? Yeah. Like, I mean, the user experience and the user interface really gives a lot of like work into it. But what really brings the customers to engage more in niche apps? Um, I think that um, it's it's already challenging to understand the <laughs> yeah. the, the user uh, uh, needs and user journey if you are building for one service, yeah. let alone uh, uh, building for multiple services. Mm. Um, imagine scaling that into different industries. Yeah. So um, it's always challenging. But um, as I said earlier, um, uh, trial and error, iterating, trying to uh, test the waters with users, uh, also um, providing an elite service in terms of not only as user experience, but uh, in an operational point of view, which is uh, very important, yeah. uh, and uh, trying to deliver. Um, so an example in e-commerce, yes. uh, delivery, um, uh, providing the um, after uh, payment services, uh, customer support, uh, retail, and trying to figure out that your operation is, is always very important. So. Uh, uh, this so is how do you do that during Carva? Sorry, but how do you do that? Like, how do you focus yeah. on this on, uh, in Carva? Uh, well, uh, we focus on this by, um, first of all, either uh, uh, try to uh, partner up with um, the elite provider for, let's say, logistics, mm -hmm. or uh, also when it comes to user engagement, trying to provide a little program, a uh, program that uh, engage customers, make them always remember you when they want to make a buying decision. Uh, this is also very important, either by a third party uh, engagement services or uh, building it um, um, uh, in app, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Philip, you want to add anything about this? Um, yeah, I mean, a good example, I think it's like kind of in the tail end of COVID, 
I remember I needed to get a, a PCR test done. Yeah. And then I, I went on, on Google and I searched PTR tests at home because I was feeling kind of lazy. Mm. And, um, and then up came Kareem, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Kareem was an option, yeah. which I didn't even know existed, yeah. which was cool. Yeah. Um, so I used Kareem then to book a PCR, which I didn't even know I could do. I yeah. definitely knew I could use ride hailing for Kareem and mm. payments and so on. But that was an awesomely cool experience. But I also thought about like, wow, must be difficult from a marketing perspective to be able to capture that kind of audience, you know, where, where it's so widespread. So I would imagine that Maria has, has quite a lot of work ahead of her and the team to be able to capture that and, and become ubiquitous, to become part of everyone's day-to-day -day life. That said, I mean, this service is impeccable. So anyone wants to add anything from here? Yeah, I think I just want to add the couple things since you guys were talking about. So when you're discussing the user, I want to like take a step back and because you said it needs to, this shift has to happen in their mind that this is now a super app. So if, if I'm a type of the culture, I hail from Egypt, right? So this super app concept has existed for decades. Okay, but he was called the doorman. <laughs> he existed under your building and he did everything for you. He would get the car washed every morning, services, around, like if you want uh, maintenance, you'd get the guy to maintain the house for you. You'd even get your groceries and even make sure that your kids are at home. Yeah. So this, this cultural aspect has always been there. Yeah. And when we started seeing uh, people moving into these modern communities, this doorman was taken away from them. And, and this super person, if you will, no longer existed. And, and now they have uh, to, to resort to uh, either five, six apps, if you will, because this is the new way, this is the new modern way of getting your services done. Or you, you come to us and we're, since we consolidated. The second point I have to make here is the convenience of having everything in one place is not enough if the services are uh, being delivered. Yeah. yeah. So, so, for example, if I have ride hailing and they come once and two times they, they never come, mm -hmm. they're going to use Kareem. And if I do another service that I do that's that's bad, they're going to use another app, and then eventually they'll never open my app again. Yeah. So like, it, it fails 20% of the time. It's not so good enough. So in terms of the user, you, you, you mentioned something, and it's very quantifiable. Uh, numbers speak volumes. It, you can, it's very easy to tell if the service is working or not. Yeah. So, and you said, you get best-in-class. So you, you get best-in-class partner, make sure it works, and then you, the customer already is missing this... Uh, I would honestly argue that even with the super app and all the features that we're adding, we're still not at the level of the services that were offered by this person who did everything for you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this is this is also like brings me like as a customer, you know, I'm I am looking for services, obviously, but I'm also looking for like a service that is very high quality. Yes. And it also puts you in a position as you know um, a company to look into what are the competitors doing whether it is in the region or on the wide scale, and just think about how can you be more creative? How can you provide the best service? Because eventually, you know, if this service already exists within another company, then the chances of that person going back to that company exactly. are very high. Okay, so I want to discuss right now something about, you know, we do have the economical cr uh, crunch of funding by investors, and we know that, you know, a lot of like, you know, apps in general, are affected or like entrepreneurs are affected today by that economic crunch of funding. 
So how can we, you know, what would you say, for example, as, you know, uh, I want to say like an entrepreneur in super apps or niche apps, like what do you think can help them to survive during these times? You can go ahead. Yeah, I think from a, speaking from a super app perspective, one of the objectives of a super app is, like I said, of course, to, to meet the everyday needs of our users. But uh, there's a clear economic rationale as well, right? So one, the idea is that it reduces your customer acquisition cost rather than launching multiple apps for multiple services. You're bringing that same user and cross-selling multiple other services, right? So a customer that uses more than one service on Kareem ends up doing twice as many transactions or three times as many transactions, actually, mm -hmm. in a given month and has twice the retention of a user who only does one service, right? So... Users of our Kareem Plus loyalty program, they do three to four times as many transactions as a, as a normal customer does or a non-C Plus customer does. So there's a reduction in sort of customer acquisition cost versus the lifetime value of that customer. Um, second, you're taking your operational costs and you're spreading them out across uh, um, several services by leveraging the infrastructure that you've built, whether it's your payments infrastructure, your logistics costs, uh, your other operating costs, you can spread them out over a number of different services. Um, so that's uh, another sort of uh, uh, lever that helps. Um, third one, I think, is from a super perspective, if you're diversifying your services, you're actually capturing multiple different TAMs or totally addressable markets, right? So one of the things in our region is, um, just given the fragmented nature of the region, the, the size or the addressable market for any given service is just not as big as it is in Western Europe or the US, right? Exactly. So you have to actually address multiple TAMs across logistics, across delivery, across payments in order to be able to achieve the scale that you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. um, and last, I would say different businesses have different purposes. You asked earlier, I think two questions ago, how do you engage the customer, right? Yeah. And for us, that was one of the reasons for venturing into payments. We found that leading super apps around the world um, have something, have sort of a high frequency service uh, that they add on, either as payments, chat, social, sort of things that make the customer keep coming back, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, one of the payment services we have is a P2P money transfer service, mm -hmm. similar to a Venmo in the US. That's a network effects business, right? If I send you money, there's a one in three chance you have the Kareem app already, you'll use it to receive money, then you can send money from that same wallet. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have it, you'll have to download the app to receive the money. So there's a network effect built into, into payments, peer-to-peer -peer payments. Um, or if you look at our bill payments product, on the first of the month, the service tracker on the super app will remind you your due bill is due, your at the start bill is due, your gas bill is due, and you pay it yeah. with two clicks, right? So payments for us has been a strategic play to really engage the customer. Um, one of the things you mentioned was sort of taking uh, taking services outside the super app and to the B2B ecosystem as well. Uh, we now have a one-click checkout product where you can, through a one-click OTP, use your Kareem contact info, delivery address, and payment method on any e-commerce merchant that we're integrated with. On, on any, on any um, app that... The, any app or website that has integrated with Kareem Pay. With Kareem. Yeah. So which makes it... That, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, like, how does that feel when, like, all of us, like, that are users of iPhone, we're already using Apple Pay? Correct. Yes. Well, the addition that we bring is, uh, as Kareem, we have your delivery. Obviously, this is all with the user consent, but we have your delivery address already, which Apple Pay does yeah. not have. Um, we have your contact information, your email address, your phone number. Mm -hmm. So with one click of an OTP, we're pre-populating all of that information for you at any third-party app or website. So you 
don't have to add all that information. You don't have to save all that information on a third party. So it's not just your card information, which you would get with Apple Pay and Google Pay, but it's sort of a complete experience. And that sort of engagement on and outside the super app, building that B2B and B2C ecosystem um, can drive engagement. Now, the, the reason, just to link it back to your original question, Payments is a low margin business, but while we have this engagement driver, we also have higher margin businesses on the super app in the form of food delivery or ride hailing. And so that super app play helps you balance high engagement, low margin businesses with higher margin, lower frequent businesses. If you allow so, me, yeah, I'm gonna, to yeah. elaborate um, uh, on Madiha's point when it comes to investors. We're, we're going to uh, have five minutes at the end for the audience to ask us some questions, sir. Sure. Uh, stick in for a couple yeah. of questions. Um, I think for um, for investors, um, it's always a good uh, exit strategy to to invest on in a niche app because um, it will be more attractive and appealing for giants in the in, in whatever uh, vertical or industry hmm. to acquire those niche apps, especially yeah. if, you ha- if they have if they already have good existing good. Uh, user base. Mm-hmm. Um, and g- going back to my example of uh, the shifts in Saudi Arabia, um, uh, they were actually basically providing um, a different experience when it comes to food delivery uh, with um, a niche uh, users, mm-hmm. which are the high, high-end uh, people who want to buy uh, gourmet food, which, uh, which uh, eventually got them uh, acquired. So yeah. I think this is a good example of uh, why niche apps are really appealing for, for, appealing for investors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about this as well? Yeah, I mean, so kind of come February um, last year, we, we hit the, the global financial crisis effectively. Valuations are taking a hit across the board. And um, that's interesting, obviously, for startup companies, especially ones that require venture capital to, to survive, right? The questions then become things, for example, with eCar, is looking at, well, how do those value multiples get impacted if we were to go into a super app? Mm-hmm. Is that same revenue multiple that it is now at, at, at a fraction of what it was uh, in January 2021, 20, uh, um, is that going to be valued the same as it would be mm-hmm. for the same amount of revenue coming in for me organically? You mean sustainability? Like, is it sustainable? No, is 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 it? Let's say, for example, if we were to connect in with Kareem, just hypothetically speaking, okay, is the same dollar value that comes in from Kareem worth the same amount as the dollar value that mm. comes from organically from a customer? Okay, and these are the kinds of questions I think that any uh, you know entrepreneur should be asking themselves that's considering making the jump into a super app, and and what is yeah. the impact then of of the pitch that you have towards your future investors, mm-hmm. how would they then look at that? I, you know, history shows us that uh, there has been a lot of good car share companies that have had significant fundraising rounds post integrations, but I've yet to find a, uh, an app that, uh, uh, in our space that has exited or IPO'd mm-hmm. that has been beholden to a super app. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question now, one last question, and, and maybe we can leave, it, uh, leave the floor for a couple of questions for the, for the audience. Generative AI is disrupting a lot of 
markets today. <laughs> How many of us are using ChatGPT? Um, in love with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So just an example, like Uber is already like they already started using it like the taxi industry for like generating the instructions and the driving for and and I just want to say like. AI or generative AI is disrupting more and more industries today. How do you think? Is this helpful? Like, what are the pros and cons? Maybe you can just like share some of the thoughts and then can wrap it up in a minute. So. Sure. Uh, the new kid in the block. Yeah. <laughs> generative AI. And honestly, heads will roll. <laughs> this is happening. This is coming. Uh, we we're seeing it uh, almost immediately happening. Sorry to anyone out there who's marketing or comms, but this is. This, is, this has been the most immediate, most, and, and the effect was like that. So, and, and we're seeing it happen across the board. What we are most excited about, because uh, first and foremost, we're a tech company, right? And uh, I can tell you, like, we actually quantified it, and there's a bunch of wasted time, not wasted, but like things that can be very easily replaced by the current generation of generative AI. I can't even imagine what's going to happen with the next, uh, uh, with the next phase. So for us, we're big believers in the tech, and we're definitely embedding it in our tech development process. So without getting too technical, but there are literally yeah. things that can be just running on the side instead of wasting eight hours of a full-time employee that can be working on something else. So for us, we're most excited about... Because uh, it's saving you time, energy... It's and money at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's saving money at the end of the day because it's freeing up time, valuable time of, of software developers. However, on the business side, I, yeah, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to see what's going to happen. But uh, yeah. Yeah, people who are, at least, at least let, me, let me say that, if you're not using it as a tool to help you, yes. you're in big danger. Exactly, exactly. So uh, before we go to the audience, any last you know, tips that you would like to share with the audience about you know, super apps, niche apps, as you know, maybe we're talking to entrepreneurs who are just starting or they are here, what would you like to advise them? I can start with, um, do you have anything to say? Uh, <laughs> just entrepreneurs. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a, a general advice, but honestly, it's... Uh, more away from the topic, it's more of your approach to running a business. You, we've all spoken about tough times, new tech uh, emerging. Uh, do we go vertical integration or not? So if you're out there and you're building your own company, be sure that you'll be able to motivate yourself and you'll be able to have the, enough resilience that whatever happens in the market, because stuff will happen. They're <laughs> not <laughs> all going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you're all seeing that and... Uh, so basically, just be, be sure that if you, you can motivate yourself and you can get out the energy and remember why you're doing this, to when, so when times are rough, you can actually go to work every day and keep going and think of new solutions. That's, those are yeah. my two cents. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think yeah, the, 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 key, the key tip usually for, for any, anybody who thinks of a startup is basically think of, think of a problem that you want to solve. Um, think of the consumer first. Leave the money on the side. Money will come, um, but you know, just focus on on what you want to build and think of what that problem that you're gonna solve. And uh, investors will come, and all that will come, and problems will come as well. And you, you, you need <laughs> yeah. to be you need to be ready to handle all, all of those together. Yeah. I would just say quickly in the context of this topic, get 
really good at something before even thinking of being a super app or adding additional services. That happen. is much, much later. Get really good at the problem that you think you can solve before getting distracted by, by other services. Um, yeah, um, I would say it in two words. Uh, be customer obsessed. That's it. <laughs> yeah, product manager, product yeah. manager. <laughs> True. What about you, Bill? I would say like, if you're looking to become an, uh, an entrepreneur, just constantly surround yourself with smart people. Yeah. I think that's the key thing. If, you, if you're getting good, solid advice, you're far more likely to succeed than if, yeah. uh, if you're not. Do you have time for a question? If they want to put me on, hello. Yeah, we have time for one question. question. Yeah, question. at least one Very question. You decide, you have uh, to decide, who you, because I, I will not pick okay. you. I, I think I see you, yes, go ahead. I don't know, I can't see the people there. So which uh, part of the room <laughs> do you want? <laughs> Here. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, just one question, so um, mainly for you, Madhya, but any, anyone can chime in. When you have 23 different apps on your super app, some of them you've built in-house, but some of them you have integrated. How do you ensure quality? And if one of them doesn't work, doesn't it affect the reputation of all the services that you're offering? Absolutely. And we're not at 23 yet. So hopefully that, that's a problem we'll solve when we get to it. But we have enough that this is already a concern. It's a great question. We've actually now put in place a framework where we've identified a few key metrics that every service on the app, whether in-house or third party, is going to have to meet. And they're sort of your core customer metrics, retention, conversion, customer NPS, et cetera. And this is now monthly going through a review. Um, and frankly, if any of the services internal or external are not meeting those benchmarks, we work with that service for some period of time to improve on that. Um, and if that improvement does not come, then we're going to have to make some tough decisions. Now, uh, we haven't done that yet. We've exited certain services in certain markets where the path to profitability or the path to market leadership was not clear. But that's more a business portfolio decision. I think in a market like Dubai where we have multiple services, we're going to take a service-by-service -service metrics-based approach. Uh, and yeah, then we're going to have to start making some tough calls internally or externally. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the panelists. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.